welcome to Bangor Community Church Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed today as you hear the Word of God. Amen, hallelujah. And um, well, we're excited about what God's doing in the house and um, how he's just moving, moving us forward and things that he has for this house, amen, and the heart he wants us to have for the house. So we're excited. We're excited about what God's doing. Don't look with the natural eyes. Hear in your spirit, know in your spirit what God is doing. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's stand and we're going to confess about our Bible today. Amen. We are so fortunate to have our Bible. Speak this word. We're going to receive this word in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So this is my Bible. I believe what it says. I believe I am who it says I am. I believe I can do what it says I can do. I believe I have what it says I can have. And now I'm about to receive the incorruptible, the ever-living, never-dying seed of the Word of God. My mind is alert and my heart is open. And as a result... I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we're never going to be the same after, as we take in this word this morning. Um, so as I said, I've entitled this word, Your Path Will Grow Brighter. Your Path Will Grow Brighter. And we're going to turn to Matthew and chapter 26. Matthew 26, or we'll put up on the Amplified. I'm reading from the Amplified Classic Edition this morning. This passage, the preceding verses tell us that Jesus had just had his last, the Last Supper with his disciples, where he told them that soon he was going to die, and then he would rise again. He told them that one of them would betray him. We know that was Judas. And in fact, he said, all of you are going to be made to stumble take offense because of me. And so we pick up the passage here in verse 36. It says, and when Jesus went with them, and he went with the 11 because Judas was not with them. Judas was off doing his thing, exchanging money and getting everybody to come to the garden. So he went with them, the 11, to a place called Gethsemane. And he told his disciples, sit down here while I go over yonder and pray. And taking with him Peter and his two sons, Zebedee, that was um, James and John, he went a little further. He left the other eight. And every time I read this passage, I think, God, how special it must have been to be one of the three. All of them went to the garden other than Judas. All of them were, were told, just sit here. Sit here and... I'm going to pray. And then he picked three, Peter, James, and John, and he took them. I always ponder, why did he take them? Why did he take them? I believe he took, and his, his principle is the closer you are, says, draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to you. When you are a seeker of his presence, when you are a friend of God like Abraham was, he's going to reveal things to you. He's going to give assignments to you that other people aren't going to get. 
just because of the proximity that you have with him. So he took Peter and his two sons and he began to show grief and distress of mind and was deeply depressed. Grief and distress of mind. He said to the three, my soul is very sad and deeply grieved so that I'm almost dying of sorrow. Stay here, keep awake and keep watch with me. Very direct words. Stay here, here, not there, here. Keep watch. Keep awake, keep watch. And that word watch means pray with me. That was what he said. So the others were to stay and pray. Now the three were told to stay here and pray. And going a little further than them, he threw himself upon the, the ground on his face and he prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, not what I desire, but as you will and desire. And he came to his disciples, the three. The three that he had said just a wee while ago, I'm so sad, I'm deeply distressed, I'm deeply sorrowful unto death. If a friend had told that to me, watch and pray, I would like to have thought that I've picked up on something with my friend. But they just had the last supper when he told them, my time is now, this is the last time. We're going to take this bread before, we're going to break bread before I, I die. You won't see me again until after I rise. They were forewarned, and yet he came back and found them sleeping. It's near impossible to think of that, isn't it? Find them sleeping. And he said to Peter, what? Are you so utterly unable to stay awake and keep watch with me for one hour? All of you must watch, must keep awake, give strict attention, be cautious and active, and watch and pray that you may not come into temptation. For the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. And again a second time he went away and he prayed, My father, if this cannot pass by unless I drink it, your will be done. In Luke, it says that, um, the book of Luke, he says that Jesus sweat great drops of blood. His sweat became like great drops of blood, and he wrestled with temptation to draw back from the cross. And I take authority in the name of Jesus over every hindrance spirit, bringing forth this word right now in Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus. Jesus is Lord here. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Verse 33, 43. And again he came a second time and he found them sleeping, for their eyes were weighed down with sleep. A second time he comes back to the three and he finds them sleeping. After his exhortation before the Peter so leaving them again, he went away and he prayed for the third time, using the same words. What Jesus was doing there was he was 
saying, not my will, but yours be done. He was making a prayer of consecration. And that prayer of consecration in a believer's life is not a one-time prayer. There's going to be highlights and points. I can take you to points in my life and I can tell you where I was and what I was doing. And it was mostly at an altar in a church when I surrendered again and again and afresh and afresh. I can take you, I can't tell you all the times in my living room or in, in my home where I've prayed, I surrender, whatever you, whatever you want, Lord. It's something, it's a way you walk. A consecrated life. It's not like the prayer of faith where you pray over something once and you believe you've received. Prayer of consecration, you live that way. So three times, using the same words, he prayed. Verse 45, And then he returned to his disciples and he said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? Behold, the hour is at hand. And the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of especially wicked sinners, whose way or nature is to act in opposition to God. So that third time, immediately as he goes back, his hour was at hand. His time was up. Get up, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And as he was even saying that, while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve apostles, came up. And with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Oh, what would the three have felt in their heart then? It's too late. Oh, God, let it... Just wind it back. Wind it back an hour. Too late. Wind it back two hours. Too late. It was too late. They hadn't done what he asked them and actually pleaded them to do and commanded. It wasn't a, if you feel you can. Look, I know, guys, you're tired. We're all tired. Understand? No, it wasn't. It was watch Stay awake. Pray. It was too late. And God says, is there any other way, Lord? He was serious. He was fighting the temptation not to go to the cross. Even though he knew that was his purpose. Even though he knew that was the will of the Father for his life, he was still coming to the place of, not my will, but your will be done. He knew the cost. He surrendered to his father's will. Turn to your neighbor this morning. Tell, say, you have a will. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you have a will. Each one of us have been given the ability to make choices and decisions because we're made in the image and likeness of God. We're made in his image. And he gave us that choice. And when Adam and Eve chose to disobey, then that's when rebellion entered the world and that's why then, you know, man's will became bound by sin. Any of us who have raised children or are in the process of raising children will know that the most difficult task is to help shape their will. Especially if you have a very willful child, it's to help shape their will to do what is right. Anybody agree? Anybody have that? Yeah? That's the hardest challenge for any parent. And you know what? It's no different for God. The hardest challenge that God has with his kids is shaping our will to do his will. 
It's the hardest challenge. But he's given us the Holy Ghost. He's given us the Holy Spirit to be in with, with, it, with us, to guide us, to lead us, to speak to us, to show us the way, show us the path. But we've got a nature that can be just dig the heels and just be rebellious. Oh, but I, I want this way, or get the mind involved and reason things out. Well, that couldn't be what you mean, Lord. And listen to our mind more than our spirit. The greatest challenge Father has is shaping our will to do his will. But God is looking for us. He's looking for his children to consecrate their life holy, holy to him, so that he can carry out his plan in our life, his plan. And when he has his plan in your life and he has his plan in my life, he has his plan in the church because we are the church. Amen? Hallelujah. All through the word it's spoken about. You know, John 6 and 38 says, For I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. John 4, 34 says, Jesus told his disciples after ministering to the woman at the well, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus states in Matthew, that our whole life as a Christian can be summed up in one phrase, doing the will of God. If we read that in Matthew, again we're reading in the Amplified Classic Edition, Matthew 7, verse 21 to 23. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. You want to be assured of entering heaven? Do the will of our Father. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We actually drove out demons in your name. We've done mighty works in your name. And then I will say to them openly and publicly, I never knew you. Depart from me. You who act wickedly, disregarding my commands. Disregarding my commands. And Jesus teaches us even to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're called to do his will. You know, the passion of the apostle Paul's life was to just do the will of God. And um, in Acts 20, and we're reading Classic Amplified again, Acts 20 and verse 24, 22 to 24, it says, Now you see, I'm going to Jerusalem, bound by the Holy Spirit. And here, actually, Paul was, he'd called for the uh, elders of the Ephesus church, and um, he was telling them he was going to Jerusalem. He says, Now I see, I'm going to Jerusalem, bound by the Holy Spirit, obligated and compelled by the convictions of my own spirit, influenced by Holy Spirit, not knowing what's going to befall me there, except that the Holy Spirit clearly and emphatically affirms to me that in city after city, that imprisonment and suffering await me. But none of these things move me. Neither do I esteem my life dear to me. If only I may finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have obtained from, which has been entrusted to me by the Lord Jesus. 
faithfully to attest the good news of the gospel of God's grace, his unmerited favor, spiritual blessing, and mercy. You know, we've all been given a ministry. We've all been given the ministry of reconciliation. We all have a ministry. We all have a call in our life. Wherever God has placed us, then we have that call. But you know, here we see in this passage clearly, the Holy Spirit's telling Paul, go to Jerusalem, but yet he's also warning him that there's going to be hardships. It's not going to be easy, and there's going to be beatings. There's going to be imprisonment for you. I don't know about you, but I, if I was Paul, I'd be saying probably, no thanks. <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. But Paul told us why he went. He went because the only thing that matters is that I finish the race and I complete the task that the Lord's given me. And everybody makes that choice for themselves. And when you meet the Lord, when you meet Father, you cannot say, well, it was my husband, didn't want to do this. Or, well, it was my wife, didn't want to do this. Or it was just, just wasn't right for the kids and the family at the time. No. The Lord is looking for, did you do my will? The only thing that matters, Paul said, is fulfilling the will of God. That's the only thing that matters. Now, again, we see the same scenario. Here, it was just outside Jerusalem. And we'll read from Acts 21, um, verse 10. Acts 21, in the New King James. Twenty-one. We'll start in verse ten. And, and many, as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And when he had come to us, he took Paul's belt. He bound his own hands and feet. You know, often prophets they would have done illustrated sermons, and here was one. He bound his own hands and feet, and he said, "Thus the Holy Spirit says, the Holy Spirit, you shall." You shall, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns his belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When we heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with him, pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem. And then Paul answered, and he said, What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem. For the name of the Lord Jesus. So when he would not be persuaded, we cease saying, Well, Paul, the Lord's will be done. Again, a very natural thing. The prophet picks up in the spirit what Paul already had told the elders at Ephesus. I'm going to Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit has told me to go. I know I have to go, but I know there's going to be hardships. I know there's going to be imprisonment, but I know I have to go, and I'm going to go. Next chapter, prophet Agabus picks up in the spirit the same thing. Takes Paul's belt, does the illustrated sermon. Whoever wears this belt being Paul, this is what's going to happen. So they all pleaded, don't go, Paul, don't go. But Paul's response was the same. 
I want to do the will of God. I'm ready to die for him. Say together, the Lord's will be done. You know, sometimes, just because life is busy and we get caught up with life, we got caught up with the business, we got caught up with the making money and getting our home in order and getting our house in order and holidays and things like that, we forget why we're here. Don't we? We forget why we're here. It's not just to have a comfortable life. And I believe, we know we teach here that God as well as to prosper us, to bless us as we look after the kingdom, seek first the kingdom, the other things are added. But it's not just about living a comfortable life. Even though God gives us his peace and his joy and his love and all the things and he wants us to enjoy life, our number one purpose here, a thing in life is to do his will. Paul, in fact, tells us that if we don't do the will of God, that, that a person not doing the will of God is actually trapped by the devil who's taken them captive to do his will. You find that in 2 Timothy 2.26. Trapped by the devil. They're taken captive to do his will. You don't do God's will. You know whose will you're going to do? Paul encourages the Ephesian church not to be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Everywhere he went, he encouraged the church in Rome. You see that, Romans 12 and verse 2, New King James, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Paul encourages the church in Philippi. He said, Philippians 2.13, For it is God who works both to will and to do his good pleasure. So God is working in me to will and to do his good pleasure. He is helping me to will to do his will. We have to surrender. Holy Spirit, lay back. In his arms and surrender. I'm yours. As, as Chris and the team led us, Jesus, be the center of my life. I'm yours. We're here not for our own glory. We're here for his glory. We're here not to do our own will. We're here to do his will. It's a privilege and an honor to serve the Lord. To do the will of God, it may be costly, but there's blessings that don't come any other way. God will open doors for you that money can't open. He'll open doors for you that people can't open. But as you follow his will, things shift, move for his will to come into line and into place. Amen? Your children are going to be blessed. Their children will be blessed when you decide, you yourself decide, no matter what, no matter the cost, I will do God's will, whether that's the written word or it's the direction of the word, direction, a directional word that he'll give you, your spouse. We will do God's will no matter the cost. We make room for the, our children to be blessed and the downlines to be blessed if Jesus tarries.
some blessings tied to God's will. You see in Hebrews 10, 36, it says, For you have need of endurance so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. After you've done the will of God, you've received his promises. Awesome. John 2 and 17, the Passion Translation. This world and its desires are in the process of passing away, but those who love to do the will of God live forever. Live forever. Eternal life is theirs. Those that do the will of God. And the the Greek present tense verb there is habitually, continually doing the will of God. Not once. Yes, I surrender to the Lord once. No, continually. God's looking for surrendered vessels. Surrendered, totally surrendered. Whatever you want. Wherever you want to send me. How you want to use me. Whatever. First John 5, 14 to 15 says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So if you're doing the will of God, you're going to have answered prayer. Not pray and bless my project. Not pray and bless this direction I'm going in. If that's not God's direction. If that's not God's project. Revelation 2.26, the NIV says, To the one who overcomes... The one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. You know, God places you in a particular, in a place at a particular time to fulfill his purpose, to fulfill his plan. You're in this church because God brought you here. God planted you here. He has a purpose for you here to do as well. In fact, I remember as I was preparing this word that um, dad, when he was transitioning the church to my leadership but way back in October, he said to all the church, don't forget God planted you here. He has a plan and he has a purpose for you here because there's a great call on Bangor Community Church. There's a great call and there's a great assignment. God's planted you here. He's brought you here. He's got a purpose and he planned. And as you fulfill that part, this church is going to fulfill its part. Amen? And the mandate on this church is to build a large sheep shed. Is that right, Mum? A large sheep shed. So we have a ways to go to building a large sheep shed. Would you agree? A large sheep shed for the coming harvest. Amen. If truly you've put your trust in Christ, it means that you're going to desire above all else to do as well. 
It's the fruit of putting your trust in the Lord. Above all else, I want to do his will. So just some things, especially getting the directional will of God. As we know, listen to his voice. Tanya taught a couple of weeks ago about listening to his voice. God, God has a voice and he speaks. And there's many ways we can hear and we can get that. Whether we can hear what he's saying. It could be there through that inner voice, that leading. It could be through counsel around us. It could be through visions, dreams. It could be through prophetic words. That God makes his plan um, known to you, the direction for your life known or that particular time. And then as you start picking up something in your spirit, God, I believe God is will wants me to do this. You, you pray. You start just bathing it in prayer, bathing it in prayer, bathing it in prayer. And then see if it just gets stronger and stronger, then you know, yeah, God's speaking. He's confirming. He's confirming. But if that which you think God has asked you to do or some directional thing you feel is his will. If if after a while that starts to wane as you are praying it through, then you know, you know it's not right, or it's for another time perhaps. And that's a very important thing as well when you're just finding out the will of God for your life. You can maybe have something in your heart that's right, but the timing's wrong. So you've got not only to know the will of God, the right what He has, the direction in your life. But you've got to know the timing. Very important. And then thirdly, you need to take steps of faith. You need to take a step. Step out. You need to be bold. You need to be willing just to say, whatever, God, I want to trust you in this. I mean, bold, like when God called me to, uh, when I'm sitting at my occupational therapy desk and God called me out of there. I knew I was to give up that job. I didn't know what God was leading me into. Only I knew for a long time there was a call on my life. But I was obedient. I took the step. You've heard me say I went home to Brian. We discussed it. My question was, how are we going to do financially? And Brian says, I don't know. But if God told you to do it, we're going to do it. We're going to trust him. And God looked after us. God opened doors for us. Being bold is like when he told Brian and I to go to Peru for three months. Kevin was in P3, Crystal was in P1. And we had to take them out of school for three months. Some parents would wonder, oh, their education will be affected. But we had to trust God in that. That if we're doing what God is asking us to do at this particular time, he's going to look after our kids and their education, their schooling and everything else. So again, it's a long story, but we took the kids out of school for three months. We took the step. We went to Peru, and God provided. He, he provided somewhere to stay, a nice place for us to stay. He even provided a maid, a Spanish-speaking maid, to look after the children because we were just gone all the time, you know, traveling for early morning prayer meetings across Lima at 6 in the morning and flagging down taxis, and the taxis over there, my goodness, you can look and you can see the ground in some of them. <laughs> and then when some of the locals are finding out that I'm flagging down a taxi at six in the morning, oh, you know, Karen, you need to be very careful. 
but God looks after his own. So that maid was given to us so that we could be at the conferences and we could be, we, we had to, we were learning, we were going through all the uh, connect classes and the encounter. We went through on a few different encounters through the time that we were there, encounter weekends and conferences that, that we had. And we were, were part of the pastor's main team. So we were in team meetings every week. Um, others, we were just going all the time, going all the time. And we could not have done it without that maid that we didn't even know. It was just, we arrived there, and by the way, you have a maid, and you're going to have to pay her so much. And you know what? We went with a certain amount of money, just a certain amount. We, and um, you know, I, I was doing the budget for it, and I thought, a maid, how much is that going to cost? So we gave, and we blessed this maid, Lita. When we left there three months later, I think we left with, was it a dollar or less than it, going into the States? No money. I don't think we, I can't remember, but I don't think we emailed mom and dad to say we've no money. But you know what had happened? Just before that, um, Brian's dad had been in America, and we were going to be staying in with his brother, Uncle Jimmy. And Ken, obviously led by the Holy Spirit, had hidden money. I can't remember if it was $100, $200. He had hidden money in a wee jar in that house that we were staying in. And he told Brian then whenever he'd phoned him or something. And so it goes. God will make a way. We've got to take the steps of faith. Or what about Brian and I going to the solicitor's office and signing our names that, you know, we will have this money to buy the Brethren Hall. Well, we knew. We couldn't even hardly look at each other because we knew. We, we told. We weren't being dece dece uh, deceiving the solicitor. We told her we don't have all the finances for the down payment yet. So she said, this is the first time we've ever had, um, you know, we've ever had anybody signing an agreement to buy something when all the funds aren't in place. Six weeks later, or whatever it was, when the funds had to be in place, they were there. So it's steps of faith, amen. When you know God's will, He will supply. There is provision for the vision. Hallelujah. So the greatest privilege that you can have is to do the will of God. So my question to you today is God's will. Doing God's will, your greatest priority. Is doing God's will your greatest priority? If it is, then you, your family, will be blessed. Let's pray. Let's just um, respond to this word this morning. Let's close our eyes before the Lord. Let him search our hearts. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord God, for what you're doing in Bank Community Church. Lord, I thank you for what you're raising, for your plan and your purpose here to build a large sheep shed. God, I thank you, Lord God, for those that you've planted here. Those, Father, that desire to do your will above all else. That each one of us, Lord God, that you would have such a passion in us to do your will and your will only, Lord. 
your will and your will only. I want you just to put your hand in your heart this morning and join me in this prayer of commitment. If that's your heart, I want to do your will. Put your hand in your heart and join me in this prayer of commitment. Lord's going to lead and guide you. He wants you to do his will more than even you want to do it. That's why he's given Holy Spirit to help us to choose to do his will. So just repeat this prayer after me if that's you this morning. Lord, I present myself to you. May your will be done in my life. May my ears be sensitive to hearing your voice. Speak to me through your word and in all the ways you speak. Help me to pray things through so that I know what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. Help me to take steps in boldness to accomplish your will. I commit myself to being someone that you can use. Consecrated. Separated unto your purposes. I'll pay the price by denying the flesh. Father, thank you for using me in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We look to God that he will direct your steps and blessings through this week. For more information, visit us at bangercommunitychurch.co.uk or find us on Facebook.